I am absolutely thankful for Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful that he saved me from such a destructed life, from hell. He's my everything, and I'm thankful every morning for him, for his mercies, his new mercies, his grace, his sovereignty, his discipline, his correction. I'm thankful for my son, truly thankful for my son, and I am very thankful for the body of Christ. This is Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives, a series dedicated to the testimonies of believers and followers of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Arlenis Bakalu. I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonders. I will be glad and exalt you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. As we continue to uh, just meditate on Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving is next week, so um, I know that we're probably planning, you know, the big day for uh, the food and just celebration with our families. What is truly, really important, giving thanks to the Lord, praising Him for everything that He has done in our lives. And on that note, I'd like you to help me welcome our guest for today. She's been one of the faithful followers of our podcast As she was telling me just a couple of minutes ago, she has watched every single one of the videos from our podcast, and we're just so grateful for her. Help me welcome Soraya. Welcome, Soraya, to thank our podcast. Thank you for having me. No, thank you for agreeing <laughs> to do this. She was telling me that um, she, she, she has second thoughts just because she's not like really used to do this, but I'm so grateful that you really decided to do this because... Just hearing a little bit about your life just a couple of minutes ago, I know that many people will be encouraged. And this is just another story to put Christ on display, the work of the Lord through the gospel in our lives. And I'm just so grateful that you have taken this time to do this. So thank you so much. Yes. That's that's why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted I wanted to ask you before we get into everything you know that we're going to be talking about. Are there any like family traditions for you for Thanksgiving? Like what what do you normally do for Thanksgiving? Is there anything that you do? Well, normally we just uh, we go to my sister's house. Oh, nice. Yeah, and usually all the sisters show up, which is eight <laughs> sisters. Yeah, and uh, we bring our children. And sometimes uh, our cousins or our nieces and nephews. Yeah. Uh, so that means a lot of food. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of food, a lot of running around, a lot of yeah. noise. Um, but it's really nice. Is there a Bible verse that the Lord used in the time of your conversion that um, you would like to share with us? Yes, there is. It's in uh, Ephesians chapter 2, mm -hmm. verse 12 all the way down It says remember that you were at the time separate from christ excluded from the commonwealth of israel and strangers to the covenant of promise having no hope and without god in the world but now in christ jesus you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of christ for he himself is our peace who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. There's more that goes along with that. This scripture just kind of reminded me of my past and how I was separated from Christ. And um, mm -hmm. now being in Christ, um, I'm no longer the old, but I'm new in Him. 
Yeah. And it's only through him breaking that barrier, bringing me into himself. And what he said that we were separated right from God, and it's through Christ that we now can have our life restored, like that relationship restored with the Lord right. because of his blood on right. the cross. And while yeah. I, I really love that verse, thank you so much for sharing. I think it's a great reminder that anyone who does not have Christ is separated from God. Right. And the only one who can restore your relationship with the Lord is Christ himself. And that's why we need him. And that's why we're here today. Right. <laughs> you know, Definitely. just to share what the Lord has done in our lives. So right. um, just to begin, I would like to know, for people to get to know you, just to share a little bit about your background, you know, just growing up, what was your life like, your family, were your family like believers or non-believers? So if, if you can just walk up through that. Sure. Yeah. I grew up in uh, California, uh, primarily in Los Angeles County. Mm -hmm. um, we kind of moved around everywhere. So I was trying to think about it earlier, and I counted nine different cities that I could remember. So um, I have uh, eight sisters and one brother. I was raised with my mother and my stepfather. So a sister, one brother. Yeah. What was life like for you guys? Um, so your dad obviously is out of the picture. So you have your stepdad and your mom. Um, what is life for all of you as a family? So as a family, um, there was a lot of dysfunction. Mm -hmm. uh, mom was a little overwhelmed, you know, trying to keep everyone in school and trying to keep the meals coming And um, now that I look back, um, I could see she was overwhelmed with her husband, mm -hmm. which was my stepdad. And um, he was a lot of the, the cause of our dysfunction at home. Um, mm -hmm. He liked to drink and um, he was very verbally abusive. A lot of times we, we kind of... We kind of fell short of being a, a close-knit family, and yeah. we kind of uh, fought a lot and, you know, just a lot of dysfunction at home. Yeah. I mean, and I think clearly then your family uh, was not a, a believing family. No. Which, you know, it's right. like it shows us the, what sin does in our lives, right? Uh, bring dysfunction in the families, and there is no peace, basically. Yes. So my mom was a non-practicing Catholic. Mm. Yeah. So um, she actually taught me the Our Father prayer when mm -hmm. I was little. She had a, a little statue of Mary displayed in her bedroom. Mm -hmm. um, but she never did anything beyond that. It was just a um, very empty relationship with God. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't know anything about the Lord. You know, I just knew that prayer, but I thought it was just like, oh, okay, we're going to pray. Yeah. But I didn't know, like, really who I'm praying to and why. We kind of just lived our lives like that, you know, empty and, like, with all the chaos and with all the emptiness. You know, I could remember yearning for for attention and for for a family that yeah. would care for me and that would worry about my schoolwork, you know, because had a lot of trouble in school and mom wouldn't show up to the parent conferences. Um, you know, dad wasn't around because I never met my dad, but my stepdad didn't, he didn't step in as a father. He was just a caretaker. Mm. 
uh, with a lot of anger, he paid the bills and with a lot of favoritism for his own children. Yeah. And he made that really clear. Yeah. And you were telling me that a lot of your siblings, they started moving out of your mom's house at a pretty young age. Yes. Right? And then, and so did you as well. Right. And can you just, will you mind just sharing a little sure. bit about why is, the, is it that all of this is happening for all of you? My stepdad started getting really verbal with us and calling us names, bad words, and just, you know, degrading us with words. He made it pretty clear that he didn't want us there. But mom always fought for us, you know, like there was always a fight because, you know, I didn't do something right. Mm -hmm. And I would go in my bedroom and cry and, and just pray, like, if there's a God out there, you know, help us here, you know, because I, I could feel the chaos at home. And I was starting to feel very uncomfortable living at home. Mm-hmm. So I finally um, decided one day, well, first of all, I met a friend mm-hmm. um, that lived in the same apartment complex and her and I got along really well. She was a few years older than me and she introduced me to her parents mm-hmm. and she lived in a really good home, mom and dad, two brothers a dog, and a cat. And I was like, I love this. Like, this is is so pretty. Like, they would eat dinner at the dinner table together. And I just fell in love with that. And I was just like, I want this, you know? And I started opening up to her mom and telling her about, like, how unhappy I was at home and, you know, the chaos that was going on and the discomfort that I felt. And she, she sort of took a care for me. Mm -hmm. She started um, asking me to come over for dinners and Mm -hmm. she started buying me clothes and she started um, inviting me to vacations and road trips. And, you know, I would, I would go along, you know, and before you know it, I was packing my stuff at home and, and I was moving out and moving in with my friend and her family. Um, my mom came to look for me and asked me to go back home. And my friend's mom came out and, and said, you know, it's better that she stays here. She's going to end up in the streets. And so my mom said it was okay. And so I I uh, lived with my friend and her family uh, for, a f- for a few years. And I can honestly say at the time I was really happy and I didn't even miss home. I didn't miss my mom. I didn't miss my siblings. You know, we had Christmases at my friend's house, and I actually had presents. <laughs> and at home, I, you know, sometimes we would get a gift, but most of the time we just couldn't, we couldn't afford having a gift. So, mm. so it was just such a huge difference. Like, it was like, do I want to go to my mom's house with all the chaos, or do I want to stay here where people are paying attention to me and you know, they're showing me that they care about me by making sure there's dinner on the table and making sure I have warm clothes and a nice hot shower and, you know, things like that. So I just really gravitated to my friend and her family and I stood there with them Mm -hmm. for quite a while. And um, how long did you stay with them approximately? Uh, I want to say a couple years, maybe even three years. I know Mm -hmm. I was like 
I want to say I was anywhere between 13 and 14, maybe, until okay. like maybe 16. Okay. Something like that. But over the time, uh, my my best friend at the time started experiencing with with drugs. She was a, a huge influence on my life because of her because of her parents. Mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to please her. I wanted to do like whatever it takes so I won't get removed from the home. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. So if she wanted to steal her mom's car, I would go along for the ride. If she wanted to steal money from her mom, I would I wouldn't say anything about it. Yeah. So she started doing all this stuff and shoplifting, at, you know, like at the local thrifties. I would just stay quiet about it, and and little by little, I started doing the same things that she was doing. And mm-hmm. so then I decided that I wanted to take a lip liner from the store, and I decided I wanted to, you know, try that drug that she was doing like she started doing meth and smoking weed and drinking alcohol going out to parties she really knew how to play the part at home that we were just gonna go and hang out with some friends or go to Mm -hmm. a movie and her parents trusted her so I was kind of like okay well we won't get caught you know Mm -hmm. but we did get caught up in a lot of destruction Eventually, we started doing acid. It just started going downhill. Mm-hmm. You know, we started becoming drug addicts, and we were hiding it very well. Wow. So the parents, they don't realize the other life that you guys have. Right. A double life, basically. What happens for you during this time? What are some of the consequences that come along the way? Yeah. We started going out and meeting guys. My friend was very promiscuous, and I would just watch her and think to myself, because I was very innocent before I met her. Like, Mm -hmm. I didn't do any of that stuff. So I was just watching and wondering, like, wow, like, I'm afraid to do that, but I was curious, you know? Mm -hmm. I eventually met a guy, and we started dating, and um, ended up getting pregnant. Mm-hmm. How old are you at this time? Um, this is a little fast forward. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, at this time, I'm 17 years old. I ended up getting pregnant, but I didn't know I was pregnant at the time. And I'm still friends with her and I'm still living with her. But this guy that I'm dating, uh, right before I found out I was pregnant, there was a rumor going around that she was, you know, uh, trying to hang out with him too. So I got really upset and I went in and I took all my belongings and I disrespected her in her house. I, we, we got into a fist fight mm. and that pretty much ended our friendship. I moved in with one of my sisters. I started feeling sick, so I went to get a pregnancy test and that's, that's mm. when I found out that I was pregnant and I had to tell my sister about it and my sister pretty much gave me an ultimatum. She said that I was to either get an abortion or move out. During that time, my mom was battling with cancer, but I was too busy worrying about my own troubles. And I was caught up with myself. So I didn't have time to really 
care for her and visit her and be there for her the way I would would have wanted to. But that year, um, I decided to keep my, my baby. Mm-hmm. And I moved out of my sister's house and I lived with a neighbor and my boyfriend at the time, which is the, the father of my, my, my baby. Sometime between all that, uh, I had a birthday coming up and we went to my mom's house to go celebrate. We had a really good time. We had pizza and we laughed and, you know, I told my mom, about my pregnancy because my sister had already told her. We just had, that was the last time I seen her. You know, she, she passed away two, two week two days after. Two days Exactly, after. two days after. Yeah. And what was her reaction to, you know, oh, to she, you being pregnant? She was really, she was really kind about it. She was, yeah, yeah she, um, she held my hand and, and just said, take care of yourself and take care of the baby. It was kind of like she knew, mm-hmm. and um, she gave me a hug, and you know, I, I was so relieved because I, I the first thing I thought it's like, why did my sister tell her like she's gonna get upset and she's not in any condition right now? Yeah. But I was thankful that she was she was at peace with it. Yeah. And now your son is uh, you have uh, a son, yes, and he's twenty two. He's twenty two years old. Yeah. yeah. Praise God. Praise God that he kept you from, you know, from having an abortion. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm so thankful for that. And yeah. I, I was able to share that with my son. Mm-hmm. I didn't tell him like exactly details, but I just said, you know, that there was a moment where the thought was there because it was presented to me. Yeah. But, you know, I just couldn't go through it with it. And, and that was all in God's mercy that he... That he allowed me to keep my son yeah. and not go through with the abortion. Yeah, his providential way, right? Yes. Even when we are <laughs> apart from him, he still protects oh, us and yes. care of us. Um, right. That's how much he loves us. Yes. You know? uh, at what point in your life do you first hear the gospel then? After I had my son, I was really depressed. Mm-hmm. So during the whole pregnancy, I was completely depressed. I just slept the whole time. I woke up to eat, you know, like it was just like a couple of noodles because we had no food. We had no money. And then I would just, you know, take a shower, go back to bed. And it was just the same routine. I wouldn't go out on walks or like just to get the nice breeze or sun or anything like that. I just I realized I was in a deep depression. And so when I had my son, I continued in depression and things with his dad were going really bad. It was just a lot of chaos with his father. He became physically abusive with me, verbally abusive. Um, I had to move out, and so I got like this little job, and I got a babysitter, and I started trying to do things on my own and figuring out life. Like I can do this. Like I just have to, you know, like get myself together. But that didn't work. You know, I was, again, I was, I was reunited with an old friend and she introduced me to an easier way of, of making money. So I started doing that, just started doing drugs again, started living a very, um, provocative lifestyle. I just started abandoning my son, leaving him with my sisters, you know, like for the weekend and 
coming back home late and just hungover and just tired. And it was just an awful feeling because I knew I knew it was wrong, mm-hmm. but I just felt like I was stuck. Somehow my brother, my brother came into the picture. He started living with my sister and my brother has always like as as soon as he came out of prison, my brother has always um, tried sharing the gospel with us. Was he introduced to the gospel in prison? Yes, he was. Yeah. He started sharing it with me again Mm. while I was tangled up in in all the the craziness. I would hear him this time. Mm. I was listening and it was it was always in my mind. But yeah, I was still involved with with the sins. So he had shared the gospel with you previously? Yes. Before I had the baby. He had shared it with me, but it was like one ear in and one ear and out the other. I didn't Mm -hmm. even get anything from it. But the set, the, I don't remember exactly how many times, but the, the next time around during that time that I was, you know, leaving my son and going out and, and picking up old habits, Mm -hmm. That's when I started to realize that, you know, this is, this is a gospel. Like, I need this. Mm-hmm. Like, there was a yearning inside of me mm-hmm. because I just knew that if I didn't call out to, in, in my mind at the time, I thought that it was me calling out to Christ. But little did I know that Christ was calling me the whole time. Mm-hmm. And so it was um, my brother, uh, ministered to me the gospel and I just kept going along with my life and one night in a a nightclub uh, I got really drunk and high and I felt like this awful anxiety and this horrible weight on my chest and on my back and I just felt like I couldn't breathe anymore Mm -hmm. and I ran to the restroom and I fell on my knees and I started crying and I started crying out to the Lord. Again, with my, my, my uh, promises, because I would, I would do this often, mm-hmm. I asked God if he were to remove me from this lifestyle that I would serve him for the rest of my life. I guess I was bargaining with him, you know, again in his sovereignty. Um, he did remove me, but little did I know that he would have to take me through a purification and sanctification. I thought, well, this is it. Like, I'm not going back there anymore. And it was it was a miracle because I didn't go back. Like, that was the last night I went to the club. That was the last night that I drank alcohol, that I picked up any drugs. Like, it was a complete miracle. Wow. Um, but I still had other sins to deal with. I was um, just kind of mesmerized with wanting to marry my son's dad. I had an illusion that, you know, we had to be married. Like I can't be, you know, like I can't have a kid and not marry the guy. You know, I have to marry this guy. So I kind of like tried forcing it. That didn't work out. (laughs) You know, that didn't work out at all. Um, But after I I stopped going to the clubs and, and drinking and doing drugs and all that, I went and I visited my brother at my sister's house and I told him about what happened that night. 
And so he continued to minister the gospel to me and encouraged me to find a local church. And that's when I found uh, a local church in, in the area, uh, which was a Pentecostal Christian church. You become part of this church. Yes. Really fast, too. I yeah. I started, I attended one night and one of the ladies said, well, you have to come back. And I was like, yes, I'm going to be here every time the door is open. Mm-hmm. And, and I was. I became very involved in that church. I answered every altar call. Mm-hmm. I prayed every sinner's prayer mm-hmm. because at the time that's what we believed. I brought my son along with me. I thought it was really nice. You know, mm-hmm. I thought it was like, wow, this is this is my new life. You know, I, I'm going to serve the Lord and I don't have to live in bondage anymore. Mm-hmm. I want to be a good mom. I want to, you know, one day find a, a man that loves the Lord. And, you know, I had all these dreams and I thought, well, these dreams line up with something that the Lord would want me to do. You know, it's not Mm-hmm. the other stuff anymore. Eventually, you know, I, I, I continued attending that church and I got really, really involved to the point where I, I, I was pretty much in every ministry. Wow. Yeah, I was in the children's ministry, an usherette, prayer warrior, um, a Bible study leader mm-hmm. uh, for women, just pretty much everything. We just, mm-hmm. I was just there all the time. And you're not part of the church anymore now. So, no. So what made you transition out of that church? After many, many years, about, mm-hmm. I want to say I started attending that church in my 20s, mm-hmm. my early 20s. I could probably think maybe nine or 10 years being there. I started developing a, a desire to learn more of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And to study scripture, um, because at church we were getting a lot of like topical preaching, and never really satisfied with afterwards. I kind of felt like I was stuck and mm-hmm. I wasn't growing. Yeah, and there was just something inside of me, like yearning to to find more answers and um, in a more a more in depth way. Mm-hmm. I had a friend there at church, and he and I love to study the Bible. So sometimes we would go and have coffee and we would just study scripture and talk about scripture and then go our separate ways after. Um, One day he came over to visit my friend and I and he talked to me about um, some errors that in, in the church that I'm in. And I'm like getting a little offended right now, you know? (laughs) I'm like, excuse me. Yeah. I don't believe that, you know, like, you know, you know, he started talking about the tongues and, you know, the slain in the spirit, which, you know, that's kind of the things that we used to do. The, uh, the sinner's prayer or just a whole bunch of different little things that he, he kind of made. And he's part of the same church. He was part of the same church. And yet he is telling you about the things that are not that you guys are doing in church, but are not, are not according to God's word. Right, mm. right. That's so I'm just like, well, yeah, like, why all this? You know, like, yeah. what's going on? And he's like, well, you know, I've been studying scripture and been listening to a wonderful preacher. His name is John MacArthur. And I actually started visiting this church called Grace Community. And mm-hmm. um, I was like, okay, you know, I was 
you know, like him and I had such a good relationship, a friendship relationship. I was able to receive what he was saying and not get too offended, but I did get offended. I remember, Mm -hmm. but also he, he challenged me too, like to think about what I was practicing and what I was um, learning. Yeah. So that, I remember that night I was like, okay, I'm writing down all these things that he, you know, pointed out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started looking in my Bible and I'm like, okay, where's my concordance? And trying to find answers for myself. That night I couldn't sleep. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, there's something wrong. Like, why did he have to share that with me? Like, now I'm not comfortable. As time went on, I asked him if he could, next time you go to Grace, can you please invite me? <laughs> so he's like, okay. So, um, you know, the time came and he invited me to evening service. And, you know, I attended the evening service. And I was just like blown away. I was like, wow, this is like the university of 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 all churches. <laughs> I'm like, this is what I'm looking for. Like yeah. I, this, I need to learn. And this is what I'm looking for. Like, it was just like a, a shock. Like right before um, service starts, they ask you to raise your hand and they'll give you a pamphlet. Mm-hmm. So I raised my hand because it was my first time. And a dear friend of mine today uh, came and greeted me. Mm-hmm. And she was the first person that I met. I love her dearly. Yeah. That's Isabel, right? <laughs> Isabel, yeah. So she's yes. um, a, a very special friend, and just she also shared her testimony here. And uh, yeah. we're so grateful for her. Yeah. Just for what she's doing, too. How's, yeah. how's the Lord is using her? And so you meet Isabel yeah, here. Yeah, so I met, yes. It <laughs> was like, again, God's providence. So I met Isabel, and Immediately, I told her, like, oh, I come, I'm actually attending a Pentecostal church and mm. I'm just checking it out, you know? Yeah. And she, right away, she goes, she snaps her fingers and she calls a, one of the brothers over. But she did it in a, in a very graceful way. Like, she was just trying to get his attention. And she goes, I need you to get me the strange fire book. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Let's receive her with Strange Fire. Yes. That's a book by Pastor John MacArthur. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So she she gifts me the book. Yeah. You know, like, you know, she's like, here, take this home and read it. And oh. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling very challenged at the time. And I'm feeling a lot of emotions and a lot of my heart felt like it was broken at the yeah. same time. Uh, so I opened the book and immediately started reading it. I actually brought it with me. <laughs> oh, <really>? yes. Nice. <laughs> I actually brought it with me. I was just blown away. I just, at that time, I could not go back. I decided, I threw, I prayed, I prayed and I, I prayed and prayed. <laughs> and I was just compelled. It wasn't like a choice. It wasn't an emotion. Mm-hmm. I was just compelled to go to my to the church I was attending and to talk to my pastor at the time, which was a, a woman, and mm-hmm. to tell her that I'm going to be leaving the church. And what led you to make that decision? I mean, obviously, your your friend is like telling you, oh, this, this is what's wrong. We're speaking in tongue and all these things, but... 
what made you change your mind now and to truly believe that there is something wrong in this church and I shouldn't be here? One of the, the main things that stood out to me is the speaking in tongues thing, mm. because that was something that was heavily encouraged at our church. Mm-hmm. Um, if you didn't receive the gift of tongues by the Holy Spirit, somebody was there to help you receive it. And they would teach you how to receive it. Like they would tell you, like, do what I'm doing and like mimic my mouth and and do it. Just keep rolling your tongue. So at, at first I never found that strange. I just thought, well, if this is a church and they say they love Jesus, then I want to be a part of it. Whatever goes on, it should be okay because it's it's part of God, you know? And I didn't have any systematic preaching or or none of that you know I was just the Bible to me was a story Mm -hmm. and you can interpret that story however you want wow and everyone had an interpretation of the Bible and I didn't think about how wrong that was Mm -hmm. I just thought okay well that's how we do it but later like with the book Strange Fire and also listening to John MacArthur on GTY Mm-hmm. and attending service that night and praying and being compelled, there was no way that I was going to stay in mm-hmm. that church anymore Yeah, and raise my son there. I went and I, I said my goodbyes. And unfortunately, um, the pastor was upset that I was going to Grace Community Church mm-hmm. with Pastor John MacArthur. She mm. she had heard about him, and mm. she had asked me if I was aware of what that man, quote, I'm quoting her, what that man says about us, Pentecostals. <laughs> and so at the he's, time... He's saying what the Bible is saying. About, yeah. You know? <laughs> right. At yeah. the time, I, I, I was just like, well, what is she talking about? Like, this man is sharing truth Mm -hmm. he's not going off on any tangent Mm -hmm. he's like sticking to the scripture yeah you know so I just felt like you know I I gotta get out of here and again it wasn't a feeling it was more of a a, I was just compelled to do it um so I said my goodbyes and you know it was unfortunate that our friendship had had ended that day Mm -hmm. and um I just started attending Grace from there on. And now you're part of Grace Community Church yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, I started attending Grace and I I always tell my friend, I'm like, I think I've learned in the in the whole twenty year of almost like I don't remember exactly, but like fifteen, twenty years that I was in the, the old Pentecostal church compared to like my five, six years at Grace. Like I think I've learned like so much more triple the amount you know and and it's not to boast it's not to to sound you know like I know anything everything I don't I'm mm-hmm. still learning the word of God and um with all the the background you know yeah. like the use using the drugs and all that like it has really messed with my memory mm-hmm. so it takes a lot of effort for me yeah. to like remember scripture and to study. Yeah. Um, but I thank God that 
you know, in his kindness, he, he still allows me to, to learn and to, to share the word of God. Yeah. And just thinking back, and as I mentioned at the beginning, we are, next week is Thanksgiving week. And as we are just meditating, you know, on all that the Lord has done in our life and giving thanks to him and looking back on your own life, what are some of the things that you're thankful and you're praising our Savior for? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I am absolutely thankful for Jesus Christ, for sure. Like, I think all of us are. I'm so thankful that he saved me from such a destructed life, from hell. He's my everything, you know. And I'm thankful every morning for him, for his mercies, his new mercies, Mm -hmm. his grace, his sovereignty, his discipline, his correction. Um, I'm thankful for my son, Mm -hmm. truly thankful for my son. And I am very thankful for the body of Christ. You know, you guys have become such a great part in my life in my sanctification process. I don't know how I could have done it without you guys. You guys are amazing. You're there to pray for me, to point me back to Christ, point me back to Scripture. And so those are the three things that I'm thankful for. Amen. Thank you for sharing, and thank you for being brave and just sitting here with me today to just share how the Lord tremendously you know has changed your life not only you know obviously saving you from like hell taking you from that dark world and coming into part be part of his kingdom and that's where we are right all of us we needed to be rescued by this sweet savior and we're just so grateful will you mind closing us in prayer sure (laughs) heavenly father we thank you so much for this ministry that upholds your word and that glorifies you Lord through the very many testimonies Lord we just ask that you would seal this time Lord and we just thank you for everything that you've done for us and for your grace and your mercy and your providence we ask Lord in in your precious name Amen Amen On the next episode of Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives Hey guys, Richard and I would like to invite you all to join us next week during Thanksgiving week for our Thanksgiving special, 10 Reasons Why. We both know that this year you may be finding it difficult to find things to be thankful for. So please tune in next week as we share our 10 things why we're thankful for. See you guys next week. I had the weekend and I said, thought to myself, I'm not going to worry about it because I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. I'm going to enjoy my weekend with my family. And so that Monday was June 24th. I had just finished like doing my run. I run like seven miles that day. And um, I get a call from the surgeon's office and the nurse says, you know, Dr. DeHaul wants you to come in. And I said, "Um, okay, what, what was it? And she like with a soft voice says, it's, it's cancer. It's, it's, you have cancer cells.